The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to The Truth Is Out There, the unofficial The X-Files internet radio show exclusively on poppychuloradio.com. Poppychulo Radio, pop culture on demand. I am your host, Special Agent Samantha Hoover. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of Fox's The X-Files. Please welcome my co-hosts, Special Agent Madison. Hey! Special Agent Poppy Chulo. Hello, agents. We're going to get down to the bottom of this. Did that make any sense? Probably not. Yes, I got you. And Special Agent Greg. Good evening. Now let's jump into our recap of Season 10, Episode 2, titled Founder's Mutation, and originally aired January 25th, 2016. Here's the official synopsis for the episode. A scientist commits suicide, and Mulder and Scully investigate what unseen force may have driven him to it. They uncover a laboratory where extreme genetic experimentation has been going on for decades. The breeding subjects possess unexpected and dangerous powers and harbor deep resentment. Before we jump into the initial reactions, let's check in with the ratings. Founders Mutation was viewed by 9.67 million total viewers and dropped to a 3.2 in the 18-49 demographic. Okay, so what was everyone's initial reaction? What was everyone's initial reaction to the episode? We'll start with Madison. Um, I thought it was it was interesting. Okay, I at first the episode was very blah to me, and then once certain characters and certain things got introduced, I thought it was pretty awesome. It got got into the nitty gritty at the end, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, me too. Poppy, what did you think about this episode initially? I thoroughly enjoyed the ride. I thought it was a really good uh, sort of, um, it's not really a creature of the week, but, you know, one of those, like, isolated cases of the week type of episodes that, uh, oddly enough, actually had a lot to do with the mythology that was set up in the previous episode, which I liked. I was kind of worried when, um, sort of, it was, it was initially announced that there would be kind of, like, two, like, hardcore mythology episodes, and then, like, four sort of case of the week episodes, that during the case of the week episodes, we weren't going to get any progression on the overall overarching store overarching storyline and i like that we did get uh sort of like bits and pieces of that in this episode and i I just thought the case was fun it was interesting and had a couple of unique twists that uh at least i wasn't expecting so uh yeah i thought it was a good episode okay and last but not least greg what was your initial reaction to this episode I absolutely adored this episode. I thought it was great. It was kind of a return to form, in my opinion. It, uh, as as Poppy was saying, it really did uh, bring up a lot of those old Monster of the Week feelings. But uh, it tied a lot of the the stuff in. At least you get to hear a little bit about the hospital she works at. All kinds of wonderful things. Um, so I thought it was spectacular and just gorgeously shot. Beautiful. Yeah, for me, I have to agree with you guys. I felt it really felt like they had picked up where they left off with the original se- series and seasons in terms of the storyline and the way it developed throughout the episode. Like it was proper; it wasn't rushed. Um, and of course, there was a touch of spookiness and mystery to the whole thing, which makes it even better. So, yeah, I, I really liked. Like the first episode was introductory; we gave it a pass, okay. But this one felt more like the the stuff we've been used to. So that for me really felt a lot better. Before we get into a thorough recap, here are a few reminders on how you can interact with the show via social media. Follow the show on Tumblr, thexfiles-pcr.com. 
Follow the station on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at Poppy Chula Radio. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. And search for The Truth Is Out There through iTunes and hit the subscribe button. So we open with a quick recap of the previous episode and its previous events. Now something important to note, Mulder did not mention when he went down memory lane originally that he had a boy named William with Scully in 2001, but they gave him up for adoption to protect him. That's an important point. We then see a man named Dr. Sanjay go through security measures. Suddenly, a high frequency pierces his ears, but only he hears it. If we look closely, it appears he has a red ring around his pupils. A few moments later, we are taken to a boardroom where Dr. Sanjay begins to lose focus on his colleagues around him. The high frequency appears again and this time it affects his ability to perceive sound. He begins to shake and the rest of his senses begin to play tricks on him. He seems to be receiving subliminal messages in part from what his colleagues are saying. Go, do it, do it now. We then find Dr. Sanjay locked in a lab transferring files. His colleagues plead with him to open the door when the high frequency returns. He struggles to write something on his hand. The frequency becomes too much for him, so he pushes a letter opener through his eardrum and drops dead. What did everyone think of this as the opening scene? It was pretty intense. I was like, oh my, this is intense. I was like, that's one way to kill yourself. This, Seriously. Uh, this episode was uh, really pushing the rating system, I felt. They had a lot of uh, pretty extreme violence not not a bad thing um but man it it got dark real fast i knew you had a dark side i I really liked how um initially they made it seem like you were in his head so i really liked the audio and how like when they were screaming at him and stuff like that in the office like you couldn't really hear them and it took us a while for us to realize that like oh, he's not just in his office on his computer. Like, he's doing something pretty wrong and, you know, people are trying to stop him. So I think I like that for, you know, the audio and the the filming part of that. I really liked it. I was also really impressed by how quickly they made me care about this random guy. He was right? just a stranger when we started. And by the time that, yeah. like, two or three minutes of intro was up, I was like, no, Sanjay, don't put a letter opener inside your skull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, and it was funny how no one else could hear it, and he's like, "Does anyone not hear that?" And he was screaming in agony, and like, from their point of view, it was like, "This guy's crazy! Like, why does he work here?" You know, well, but, he knew something was up when he walked in the door, and he did not like. He looked like he was really hungover. You know, yeah. you know that's never a good sign. So moving forward, we see Fox Mulder and Dana Scully are now on the scene thanks to security clearance. Scully summarizes Dr. Sanjay's ordeal as a psychotic break leading to suicide. As Mulder was about to take the hard drive as evidence, it is taken back, claiming the files are property of the Department of Defense. Mulder then states he needs he needs to speak with Dr. Augustus Goldman if the drive isn't accessible to them. Mulder is able to swipe Sanjay's phone off of the body so he can find somebody who was in contact with him before his death. Going along, Mulder is able to meet up with Gupta, a friend of Dr. Sanjay's, at a local bar. Mulder gets the feeling they're being watched, so he suggests going somewhere private to talk. Gupta was mistaken by what talk meant and attempts to unzip Mulder's pants. Mulder quickly quickly stops the interaction to inform him that Sanjay is dead. Gupta reflects on Sanjay over drinks. We soon learn that he was Sanjay's boyfriend. Mulder probes and we find out that Sanjay was a single parent. Gupta claimed he lived two lives. Scully then calls Mulder to the DC morgue, where she had been examining Sanjay's body. She noticed writing on his hand that read, Founder's Mutation. And it's pointed out that Founder is Dr. Goldman's nickname, and that's going to be important later. Mulder suggests that his hand note may not be the only clue, and that they should investigate a place he was renting that only Gupta knew about. 
How did you feel about learning what Dr. Sandra was like in contrast to what little we saw of his life at Nugenics? So what, from hearing what Gupta said about his boyfriend versus what we saw of him before he killed himself, like, how do you feel about what Gupta said? Well, I would say, I don't think they were boyfriends. I think he was like, Gupta was um, Sanjay's like secret lover. Okay. All right. I think. And, uh, I mean, it, it certainly brought us into the modern day. Another sort of, like, um, sort of change from the X-Files of uh, old. I mean, I don't think that they would have had sort of like a closeted gay character in the original. So I, I thought that certainly, you know, made it appropriate for the times. And uh, it was interesting to see how he was living, like, this secret life. Uh, you know, he had the life of the job, and then he also had, like, this secret uh, affair with uh, Gupta. And uh, I like how... Mulder, like, swiped the phone, and, like, he, yeah. <laughs> he picked up the dead man's which he like him. used to do all the time like stealing evidence all the time and up to his old antics and what kills me is dana's still always surprised like oh, mother you stole evidence you can't do that that's a federal crime and it's like duh he does it all the time like and does do she motion to report him absolutely not because she loves him and that's just how it goes yeah but this time it was a little creepier because he had to pick up the dead man's hand yeah. to like you know put it on the phone to unlock it Hey, the times have changed. It's not just a password anymore. It's always fingerprinting, coding, and eyeball scanning. Exactly. This whole episode was very like 2016. Yeah, yeah and were... I really, I really liked it. How you know when um, Gupta and, Mul and Mulder were, were in the restaurant, and you know those two guys were eyeing Mulder, and he was, oh, is are they bothering you? At first, I was like, oh, these guys are like agents, or you know mafia exactly i thought that at the beginning yeah. too but they were just checking him out i know i was so surprised but i liked how they kind of threw that in there that oh crap they're at a gay bar like mm -hmm. I they're gonna bring him in for a threesome and, like put those two together but it was really cool and it was funny like to have that comedy in when he went down on Mulder and it was like um nope not but it was hilarious i liked how they threw that in there i think that uh Mulder's reaction as well was really um <laughs> It w it was it was very Mulder, but it didn't have that sort of uh, like it would have in the early '90s. That like oh taboo feel. It was just oh I think you may have mistaken me for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. not like yeah. oh my god I'm gonna kick you in the face. It's just like um no no thank you um I'll pass. <laughs> and he got so mad. He's like you guys are all the same. Like oh my god it was so funny. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Yeah. Like you just want to use me for. I was like, oh my. <laughs> I feel so like Gupta had some baggage that needed to be addressed. Oh, yes. He did. Uh, we need a Gupta spin-off. There needs to be like an intervention, you know. Gupta, it's going to be okay. Just, just uh, you know, settle down a little bit. Not everybody's trying to take advantage of you. Not everybody's leading a exactly. lie. Poor Gupta. Oh, yes. Okay, so moving forward, we see Mulder and Scully searching for this hidden apartment that um, Gupta has mentioned that Sanjay was renting before he died. Mulder and Scully are able to locate it and walk into it to begin their search. And Scully stumbles on several pictures of children with various deformities, which kind of like shocked me. Like, what did you guys think about that? Like all these pictures of these kids and they had many genetic mutations. Like, what did you guys think about that? I loved the, uh, the classic Mulder. You got to see this yes. line. That was, uh, that took me back. Oh, yeah. But I thought that the uh, the pictures of the different deformities, I thought that was a nice touch that it was, um, you know, you spend a lot of time on the internet and you run across these these pictures that people share and they're like, oh, how sad this person has tree fingers or whatever. Um, and then to see some of these things that you've seen on the internet uh, as a plot device in the show, I thought was really great. Was I the only one who thought that like the deformities were a little like too much? I don't know. There like, was one... Where his but the guy's face, face yeah, yes. like his whole face was like on his desk and he was just shoving food into it. And I'm like, what is that? That looks like something somebody sculpted. And then I mean, a little fairy came around and poof, it's alive. Like, what? 
like even the the child with like the massive hands it just seemed a little halt too much a, well a lot of them seem to be but it's real yeah, though a lot of them seem to be based on uh elephantitis which hmm. is like it's a real thing but uh yeah. i wouldn't necessarily say that i mean it's it's a cancer that's yeah. growing it just reminded me just something like some spy or something. Oh, okay. So it like came off as a little cheesy. Yeah, that, that that's what I thought. It just seemed like too much. Like it it reminded me of Spy Kids, where when they went, you know, to the island or whatever, and there's these like creature-looking things, and it turns out they're people. And I like that's what it looked like to me. It wasn't just like something that Scully would have seen as a gem- genetic, you know, modification or something like that. It just seemed like way too far out there. Or a genetic mm. modification gone wrong, possibly. And that's why yeah. they're so extreme. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, we'll get to that later. So Mulder remembers Gupta saying Sanjay was afraid of his kids dying earlier at the bar. Scully notices the police that have arrived now, so, th- so they need to hurry. Suddenly, the high frequency appears and it affects Mulder. The police arrive and Scully goes to talk with them. But Mulder's, sentence- Mulder's senses are impaired, so he can't make out what they're saying. A subliminal message plays in his head. Find her. The next day, we see Mulder and Scully in Skinner's office. Just like old times. I loved this. Since they lost access to those files to the Department of Defense, Skinner closes the investigation and promises to send the suicide report to the proper channels. Now, there was a man from the Department of Defense there, so, of course, he's just saying what the guy wants to hear. Um... And the agents are encouraged not to further investigate this case or will end with harsh consequences. You know, like we haven't seen that before. However, once the man from DOD leaves, Mulder admits he was able to make copies of those files before they had gotten involved. Their theory, their theory is that the DOD is experimenting with genetic modification on humans and Scully requests time to prove that. Before their meeting is over, Skinner welcomes Mulder and Scully back to the X-Files. I have two questions. First, what did you think when Mulder was affected by the high frequency? And second, do you think the Department of Defense really has ulterior motives in the field of genetic modification? I was like, oh crap, he's going to die. But not really, because this is only the second episode into the sixth episode event series. I wrote down Mulder has brain bugs, which uh, it turns out was not correct. But I I like a good hypothesis while I'm, I'm watching a show. I like to see myself go wrong a million times before the end. Um, but, but seeing him, uh, like collapse, it was, it was, first of all, again, beautifully shot. Um, but also it gave me that, that same feeling I had when Sanjay was starting to kill himself. I was like, no, this cannot be happening to Mulder. That's not fair. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to the viewers. It's not fair (laughs) to Mulder. We just need to stop this business right now. Um, was I the only one? I guess I'm assuming I am that thought he was an alien only because I don't know remembering what wait Dana who thought Mulder was an alien yeah just because it wouldn't affect Scully why is it affecting Mulder but it's not affecting Scully I don't know I know Dana was abducted in the original series and you know we have like some evidence of that but I don't know why would it be affecting Mulder he wasn't in contact with um, Dr. Goldman yet he hadn't been affected by these tests or whatever and he didn't know Dr. Sanjay, so why was he going through this? That's what, That was the, the first thought that came into my head, which was weird, I guess. But Didn't it have to do something with his kid? or Yeah, the janitor. Or- After he bumped into the janitor, I, I started writing down hypotheses regarding the exactly. janitor Exactly. Um, oh, okay. And one of them was that he saw Mulder and was now directing his attention toward him. As opposed to Dr. Sanjay, because he put a letter opener in his skull. Right. That's kind of how I I saw it. But I also wrote down a bunch of other stuff that turned out not to be true at all. So (laughs) I might be wrong. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. We will. I don't want to get into that too much because it's early. But yes, I do agree with what you're saying, actually. So moving forward, we see Scully trying to sync security footage from Nugenics to the exact time of the suicide. She then asks her back at the apartment, so he says he heard high-pitched sounds. But Scully heard nothing. She mentions that Sanjay heard sounds before his death. Mulder says they must talk to Dr. Goldman to figure out how everything fits together and Scully might have a way to him. Mulder and Scully travel to Our Lady of Sorrows Hospital in D.C. where Scully works to inquire about Goldman. The woman they're speaking to, her, her name is Mary, agrees to relay a message to him. 
A pregnant girl named Agnes summons the agents while waiting for Mary to return. She says she wants to escape the hospital and her baby is sick. Mary comes back and Agnes shuts up, so Mulder gives her his card if she does need to talk. Mary says Goldman will be happy to meet with them, and Mulder asks why the teenagers are there. They're in a common room. They're all gathered. It's not just Agnes. There's a few mothers that are pregnant. And Mary says it's due to problems with homelessness and substance abuse. Mulder suspects that the next phase of the Founders Mutation Project may be within the expectant moms waiting in the hospital, that they might be incubators. Scully realizes that this may be what Mulder thought had happened to her all those years ago when she had Emily, who died young. So throwback to like several seasons in the original X-Files series, Scully was um, shocked when she realized she had a child named Emily and she was in this home. And um, long story short, Emily ends up dying because she had some kind of alienist in her and she was very sick and she didn't make it past like two or three. So Mulder was worried that this might be happening again and that might have happened to Emily. So then she asks if he ever thinks about their child, William, who would be 15 years old at this point. Scully asks if Mulder believes William as an experiment, just maybe like Emily was. He doesn't know, but Scully seems to think William is still alive. So what was your reaction to Mulder's theory about human incubators and their son, William? Could he be onto something in the Founders Mutation Project? Like, do you think that those mothers were incubators? Or is he just being classic Mulder and just coming up with the most bizarre theories possible? Well, this kind of brought me back to the whole first episode with Sveta. How, you know, they were saying that she was pregnant and then all of a sudden, like, they took her babies. It it was kind of, like, similar to what was going on here. Um... I don't know, like, I guess it's a good theory. It it would kind of make sense. But I felt like it was, I don't know, a little too far-fetched to what happened with Emily. I think something different happened, but I don't know. Could be a possibility. It definitely could be. Um, One of the things that that struck me about the the incubator's comment was the the fact that it could so easily be tied into the super soldiers uh, subplot of the original series or any of these things. Um, Obviously the experimentation didn't just quit when the X-Files were shut down just because they weren't investigating it. The experiments were still going on. So how did those experiments change over the years? Well, this could be a new branch of the, the experimentation, which I thought was Hmm. at least an interesting thread to follow. Also, yeah. again, I while I'm looking over my notes, uh, of just about every third line I've written down, this shot is gorgeous. Um, even <laughs> the the shot reverse shot stuff that's super like boring, just a tripod next to two actors, even that looks perfect. And uh, the scene in um, in Skinner's office, just beautiful. And we're gonna get into something that was so absolutely stunning that I can't even stop thinking about it. So I'm gonna shut myself up. <laughs> Until we get there. Uh, so I'll just... I'll shut up now. <laughs> Valid point, Greg. Um, I also... Um, I don't know if anybody here has seen Hannibal. Um, oh the TV my show, not the movie. goodness. But when I, was... I saw... Who was playing Agnes? Casey Rolls. Yeah, Casey I Rolls. got really... Okay, first I was surprised. I was like, well, what are you doing here? Right? Just yeah. like I had... With You're dead! Me, right? <laughs> um, but... I was pretty disappointed because I found that her acting was like the same from Hannibal to here. It was like, I was looking at her like, you are not a different character. You are the same person. Please get off my screen. I don't know. It was just a little disappointing. And Um, it's funny because she's been on Wayward Pines since Hannibal got cut off. So you'd think, I haven't watched that yet. I'm, you know, thinking about watching it. I've heard mixed reviews on it, so that's why I'm a little hesitant. But, mm. you know, she plays that kind of, from what I've seen, I've seen bits and pieces. She does play that kind of dark character. And Wayward Pines is kind of like in the year 4000, whatever. And they're they're trying to ward off, you know, these, these creatures. So I don't know what her character trope is like there. But I think either she's typecast or she's not a good a- actor in parts like yeah. that. Because Agnes was kind of like a weird, because we didn't see much of her yet. I, I, you know, we see a little bit more of her later. But my my baby's sick. I gotta get out of here. And like she just seemed kind of like creeped out. And you know, 
as she was creeped out with like Hannibal, like she, when Mary came back in, I don't know. We don't know her relationship with Mary. We don't know that. And yeah. when she comes back in, she's like scared, like deer-eyed, like she was when Hannibal like killed her. Mm-hmm. You know, right before but that. She's happened. got kind of she's got kind of a limited range, from yeah. what I'm hearing. Um, yeah. As a person who didn't watch Hannibal or uh, Wayward Pines, <laughs> she didn't really strike me as all that uh, that important. Which I guess speaks to the fact that she might have a limited range. It yeah. didn't really come across that she was anybody worth noting. Um, oh no, for sure. Vaguely more important throughout the episode, but she just kind of seemed like one of those uh, pieces of furniture in the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I thought Sister yeah, Mary was um, creepy Greg- as fuck. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. She oh, yeah. Is, she reminded me of the uh, the the nun from Matilda. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. Oh my! Is Scully Matilda in this analogy? <laughs> she very well could. Or maybe be. Mulder. Just because. <laughs> Mulder, uh, he would make a good Matilda. Mm-hmm. I think him in a school gear uniform would be all right. Yes. I think we could get on just, Broadway. All he has to do is believe. All yes. Is believe. I loved yeah. how everything was connected in this episode in some weird kind yes. of like kismet kind of way. Yeah, it did. Uh, it had fingers all the way through old plots and the new plots that they've been starting up. And this whole episode also, everything kind of was self-referential and going back and forth. And it kind of made you think your way through the plot. I liked it. Yeah, and Greg is in luck because I'm going to be talking about that dream sequence right now. Mm-hmm. So, we're then shown a dream sequence of what life would have been like if Scully didn't give William up for adoption. Scully is taking him to his first day of school. She tells him the most important thing to remember is that she loves him. School ends just as fast as it starts, and William is running off with a friend. Scully tells him to be back for dinner. The winds change, and Scully finds Will on a stretcher with a broken arm. So she runs to him and says, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're all right. And his face is a little scratched up. And then Scully hears him calling mom in the distance. So she's then in her house and she walks into his room to find Will's face mutating into what looks like an alien, which I thought was really cool. And then it all comes back to reality and we find Scully in her house and she pulls out William, William's baby picture. Just, uh, I guess, thinking about what could have been. Going along, we find Mulder and Scully with Dr. Goldman. He says their main focus with this project is saving children. Which, you know... Okay. I I, I believe that. They walk by a few of the children, and he lists off the many syndromes affecting them. Scully is able to speak to one named Adam at the very end of the hall, who claims he's been there forever and that he doesn't have parents. Goldman says he's searching for the key to cure abnormalities, to which Scully replies, Alien DNA? Suddenly, there's a huge commotion with one of the patients, and uh, Goldman cuts the meeting short, leaving Scully's questions unanswered. Mulder then receives the message that something's happened to Agnes. So we learn that Agnes was hit by a car. Her face and stomach area are bloodied. Agnes died from blood force trauma, and the baby was surgically removed. Scully doubts the baby made it out alive. Mulder counters and says that anything other than human could be alive. And it takes a founder's mutation to start a new species. Mulder also reveals that Goldman's wife was found criminally insane and convicted for the murder of her baby, whose body was never found. Moving forward, we see Mulder and Scully speaking with Jackie Goldman, Mr. Go- Dr. Goldman's wife, at another DC hospital. She refuses to talk, to talk about her husband, who says she is keeping her in that hospital. Mulder asks about her daughter Molly, and we are taken to a flashback. Jackie is hosting a house party and narrates over top that she knew something was off with Molly. She had fallen into the pool, and Jackie went to save her. When Molly turned around, she was breathing and perfectly fine. She claims Goldman has done something to Molly as an embryo. We return to the flashback to see a pregnant Jackie trying to escape her husband. So she's trying to find Molly. She has another child on the way. Augustus says Molly and her are safe. But Jackie pulled a knife and managed to get away, cutting Augustus on her way out. And she ran. Augustus hid Molly from her as a result. Jackie collided with an animal during her escape and crashed herself. She then heard the high frequency and claimed this this was how Augustus was talking to her. She motioned to cut the baby out herself, so the baby was able to crawl out of her stomach. She woke up in a hospital from a loss of blood and never saw her son again. 
After hearing what Goldman had to say versus what his wife remembers, how do you feel now about what was being done to those children and their mothers? Well, uh, looking at the, the, the strangeness of the things going on in that hospital, um, it gave me some, some creepy feels. Uh, just the whole, the whole genetic experiment angle in general has always been kind of gross. But the fact that he was experimenting on his own child and that his child literally crawled its way out of his mother, it, some bizarre stuff. Also, wow, that was a brutal scene. Oh, yeah, that night. Like Rosemary's that was baby. intense. Man, yeah. There was something else. Like Rosemary's Baby kind of oh, yeah. vibes. It reminded <laughs> me of Strawberry Shortcake. Also, the I, I know I have to do it. The dream sequences. Oh my god, those dream sequences. They are beautiful. They were yes. perfect. Yeah, uh, and even the flashbacks of um, of Augustus and uh, Jackie arguing in the stairwell, they they also kind of had a, a dreamy quality to them. And everything was just, it was perfectly lit, perfectly shot, lots of nice soft focus. It was really, really great. And I like that so much better than, you know, the typical flashback scene. Everything has to be blurry and in black and white to, like, yeah. get the point across. No, like, this was very, very, very well done. Um, I liked how it was, you know, Scully turns one way and, you know, it's a different scene, a whole different memory. That was really, really well done. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure Greg can appreciate that for sure. Um, but the whole thing with the mother like it makes sense um you know that the doctor would use her and stuff like that like i was not surprised with what happened it was a gory scene for sure but i was not surprised at all i love the actress rebecca wisaki who played uh, the wife she is on a tv show that i love called uh, devious maids and uh, she played opposite complete like a hundred percent opposite of what she plays on devious maids on devious maids it's more of a comedy she's like one of the comedic characters that's always like dropping a sassy one-liner and that kind of thing and to see her take on a dramatic role and a a horrific role i mean she is living a horror her character is i should say on this series from watching her daughter you know thinking that her daughter is dead and then all of a sudden getting terrified by her daughter because she can breathe underwater and then of course having to slice and dice herself i mean that was pretty intense and then to play sort of like a despondent woman who after going through all of this she's like now in the mental hospital although she did get a sort of a slightly comedic moment when she threw the apple at the cat but um, it, yeah, that was it was funny. intense, and I really loved the character, and it shed a light on the founder. It kind of made me question what cats ever did to her. Like, why are you getting so mad? I don't understand that. But <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, that was that was the only funny part. You know, even the baby trying to crawl itself out was actually pretty cool looking, even though it was disgusting at the same time. Yes, and, like, it was super gross. But it was very well shot, like Greg's been saying the yeah. whole time. So it it kind of took me back to some of that uh, that late '80s horror where they weren't afraid to just leave the camera rolling for some of the more awful stuff. Yeah, it yeah. really gave me a lot of like old John Carpenter or Wes Craven feelings. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Okay, so moving forward, Scully admits to actually trusting Jackie Goldman. Mulder seems to agree, saying she heard the same high frequency he did. He then makes the discovery that the A1 janitorial company works with Nugenics. So they are a subcontractor and they, so Nugenics does not have their own janitors. So this is a key point in Mulder's uh, investigation. So Mulder syncs up the footage of Sanjay's death and a janitor working at that time. And they both appear affected by the frequency. And Mulder notes an action and a reaction. So it appears that the janitor is doing this to Sanjay somehow. Mulder was able to find out his name, Kyle Gilligan, and his address. Mulder and Scully then travel to Kyle's house, where they are met by his mother. She claims he has nothing to say to the suicide. She was very, her walls were up, and she was, like, not letting them in. And, like, I speak for my son on all occasions. It was kind of weird. 
Muller then blurts out that his mom did not give birth to Kyle. Birds appear to gather around the property, like crows or something, and Kyle's mom says that's when bad things happen. And if you remember this in the beginning of the episode, when Sanjay almost rushed out of the boardroom, the birds were gathering outside of the, the building. The high frequency returns and Mulder is affected again and falls down the stairs. So it's way more intense than the first time this happened. Scully asks where Kyle is, but she quickly runs to find him when Mulder begins to react. She finds Kyle in a barn on the property, and Mulder takes him into custody despite loud protests from his mom. Mulder then asks why he killed Sanjay, and Kyle says he didn't want him dead. He claims Sanjay was helping him. We then learn Kyle is the one who is sending those subliminal messages. We also learn that Jackie Goldman is Kyle's real mother. He is desperate to find Molly. Scully knows where they can find her. Do you think Kyle was trying to kill Sanjay, or was he really in need of help? We know that he's uh, Dr. Goldman's son now, and this, you know, like father, like son. So do you think he had good motives, or was he really just trying to get rid of this guy? Uh, Kyle really gave me vibes that a lot of the original series, like villains or the weak, gave me, which is yeah. they didn't they didn't mean to do bad stuff. It's just kind of a byproduct of them trying to do a good thing. Um, I didn't get the vibe at all that he was malicious. I think he really was just trying to find his sister and uh, he was using Sanjay as a conduit for that because as a janitor he didn't have access to anything but Sanjay being uh, whatever he was we'll call him a, a doctor of something um, genetic programmer I a suppose. scientist. Yeah, scientist. He had clearance to get into those rooms and look at the data and figure out where the sister might have been so I think that it was an honest mistake of him just not knowing how to control his power yeah and Mulder can relate to trying to find his sister in that sense so I think he felt a lot of sympathy for him and yeah he didn't seem to me sinister at all I mean it looked when we saw it from Dr. Sanger's point of view it sounded and looked horrible but Kyle didn't really mean harm so going along, we meet up with Dr. Goldman, who is examining Kyle. He then begins to take some of Kyle's blood. He asks where Molly is, and Dr. Goldman says he'll let him meet her. Goldman then leads Kyle to Molly, who soon discovers that this is not his sister. So he's just brought her to some girl that kind of looks like who she is, but then he's like, this isn't her. So he runs off and finds the real Molly, who lights up when she sees him. She speaks to him telepathically. He then holds his hands to the glass door between them and shatters it along with every glass fixture in the hallway. Mulder and Scully duck for cover and Goldman shouts for Molly. Kyle then redirects his energy to his father and the high frequency ret returns. As Scully reaches for her gun, Molly slams her against the wall and she goes unconscious. She then pushes Mulder down the hallway. Dr. Goldman begins to bleed through every orifice on his face, like his eyes, his nose. Yeah, I love that. And his ears, and he was just screaming in pain. And the department... The Department of Defense arrives on scene and Skinner is instructed to keep his crew behind the red tape. He informs Mulder and Scully that they no longer have jurisdiction here, and that Kyle and Molly are nowhere to be found. Mulder appears to have swiped a vial of Kyle's blood. And what was your reaction to these last few scenes? I described it in a brief description, but a lot actually happened. Like I realized... loved it. It was amazing. It. Bloody. Delicious. Yeah, I, thought, I thought the scene, like, it almost reminded me of um, I don't know if you ever guys saw the movie like Firestarter um, with like Drew oh. Barrymore like so long ago. Um, I don't know like that whole feel of like the two kids like coming together, finding them like like finding each other after so long, and like them just kind of like breaking free and you know using every single force they have like a special power. I thought it was really really cool. Um, and it reminded me of that movie Firestarter because, you know, Drew Barrymore just goes apeshit on everything. Um, but I thought it was really cool. And even the fact that, you know, Mulder and Scully got, like, knocked out. I was just like, okay, you go. You go, kids. Like, you do you. I'm so happy you're together. Go. Like, I was just so happy for them. It didn't matter that, you know, our two favorite characters kind of got hurt. Um but I bleeding. really liked it. Yeah, like the cinematography in it too. Like oh. the whole, like all of the explosions and the glass, like the, the glass stunts? breaking in front of them, like between them was so cool. Like, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. 
that Wonder Twins incredible. powers activate. <laughs> also, the fact that they actually took the time to get Scully on wires and pull her across the room to get that that uh, that force push telekinesis effect. Yeah. A lot of TV yeah. shows won't go to the trouble of setting up a wire job, but they did really, really great work. And mm -hmm. it actually, it kind of threw, uh, threw me f through a loop when they did it for Scully, but then Mulder just kind of jumped backward to show himself being pushed. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. like, oh, you probably could have done it twice, but that's all right. I'll let it slide because you did it once and that was impressive. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that she was hurting our people, but, uh, but of course she doesn't know that. You know what I'm saying? Really and also, bleeding. she wanted to stop them from maybe helping uh, her father because, uh, exactly. you know, yeah, she didn't he know was doing some damage. They just they just wanted to get out. They didn't know who was who. They just they wanted to get out. You know what yeah. I mean? Which and also, they wanted fine. to stop them from helping him because you exactly. could tell that he was ready to, you know, make his brain turn into a slushy. And yeah. who cares about him, really? Exactly. By, the, by the end of the episode, my allegiance completely shifted shifted to the yes. kids i totally yeah. was like i was That's all what I'm on saying. board i was like i don't care that you heard like Mulder and scully it's okay fine yeah, go fuck it, knock I'm them so over i'm not you. even mad about it <laughs> They've just been go exactly. be free. they need we'll a spin-off we need to see their wacky adventures right let's yes. follow them they better be back i swear we need um, to know yeah like because Mulder and scully have seen like the face of death several times like that was nothing like getting little bumps and bruises oh, yeah. nothing you know okay so finally Greg's gonna love this. We are taken to another dream sequence. Mulder and Will are watching a movie together. He explains that monkeys may have been our first contact with alien-like forms and reassures Will that he'll have knowledge of that when he's older. We then see Mulder tinkering with a model rocket. Will complains that the fin on his rocket broke and that space is hard. Mulder says that humans don't do things in this age because they're easy but because they're hard. They light up his rocket and Will says he's going to go up there someday. Mulder then, Mulder then hears Will calling for him, so he turns around and Mulder rushes in his room to see that Will is being abducted, much like his sister Samantha was. We then are, again, back in reality and see Mulder looking at William's baby picture. Any final thoughts on this last scene of the episode? Love it. It was great. Beautiful. As, as usual, it was gorgeous. This whole episode has been just top-notch gorgeous. But those dream sequences stand out among all of the other shows I've been watching. I'm going back through The Sopranos. I just recently watched Stranger Things. I've been uh, going back and forth between picking up episodes of Breaking Bad for the third time just because. And this stands up next to some of those shows that were given Emmys for their, uh, their cinematography and Golden Globes and stuff. They were given like big awards for their cinematography. This stands with them no problem. It's gorgeous. Do you think that the X-Files will get awards for this, possibly? I actually, unfortunately, doubt it, just because of the nature of the show. I think mm -hmm. that uh, that sci-fi always gets snubbed when it yeah, comes genre to Yeah, genre in general. Like, sci-fi, yeah. horror, fantasy. Mm -hmm. Except for, like, Game of Thrones. I mean, that's the only thing oh, that's yeah. kind of, like, broken through. But that took a while for them. a billion dollars? You have to spend a billion dollars in order to get any kind of award? It's not worth it. And it's funny, I think Hannibal, and it's, well, it ended in 2013 for now, and they just got their first award, like, like a month ago, at the Saturn Awards, and I was like, are you kidding me? It took this long? But yeah, this, this category is not greatly loved by the majority population, so. Yeah. I thought yeah, it was a good what, bookend, um... although, I mean, we didn't open the episode with the other uh, dream sequence, fantasy sequence, whatever you want to call it, but I thought it was a nice bookend to what we saw of, uh, like, Scully's vision and, like, what she was thinking of, yeah. and it's interesting how they both kind of went to that dark place. I mean, we saw them happy. But then all of a sudden, it, it it took a turn for the worse. So it means that they both share the same fears about William. Yeah, and really, like what I was yeah. gonna say um, earlier was that like I like when you think of Mulder and Scully as parents, like I always knew that Scully would be a great mom. Like there's no doubt, no doubt. Um, but I was always curious of wondering how Mulder would be as a father, right? And having that little snippet of kind of like you know him seeing him with William and seeing what could have been you know and it's kind of how many years and stuff they could have had with William and you know seeing all the memories that Mulder could have 
you know, made him into a spooky William, I guess, right? Um, it was kind of cool seeing a little bit of that. Uh, one of the things that I liked about the end there was that you got to see a little bit more of Mulder than you ever have before and, and possibly since. Um, but you see him not just focused on Alien Stole My Sister. You see that he actually does have a passion for for spaceflight in general. And he he does stargaze. He does look out into the world. And there are these moments of, of beauty that he sees. Because most of the time you do see him wrestling with the fear and anxiety brought on by his experiences with alien abductions and stuff. So to see him just have this uh, this unbridled joy of building rockets with his son, I think it added a layer of depth to Mulder that you don't really get anywhere else. This last dream sequence did a lot for the character building of Mulder. Yeah, I agree with... Yeah, like, I just... He's been through so much, and in the last 20-plus years, and, like, just to see that little ounce of... He can actually be happy and he likes something else other than Dana and aliens. Like, you know, not that I don't like that he likes Dana, but you know, um, it was very nice to see that he has other things on his mind and that he can focus other elsewhere because it just seems like that's all he thinks about. Like, that's so exhausting, isn't it? But I guess if it's your life's work in a sense, like it's your personal obsession since you were a young man, like, I guess that's all you really know, but it was nice to see alternatives to that. So since we finished our recap, it's time to rate this episode. You may rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 UFOs. If you happen to find this episode exceptional, you may give it a golden UFO. I will start with Madison. What are you going to rate this episode? Um, I think that this episode deserves uh, an 8.5 out of 10. <laughs> um... I did enjoy it. Um, I didn't really like the whole beginning. Like, yeah, it was pretty cool, but I just kind of thought it was a little slow. I was really liking that, um, you know, Dana and Scully got a case. You know, it's back to the X-Files. They opened a case. You know, here we go. Um, but it did really get good towards the end, and I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, at the end with the whole scene with the kids, it was. I really enjoyed it. So probably gonna go with an eight and a half out of ten all right greg what are you going to rate this episode i'm gonna give this guy uh probably a hard nine um i think it was spec friggantacular at, at least visually uh it was gorgeous it was a little light on lore i would have liked them to take me down that that larger story arc a little tiny bit but I don't feel cheated at all. I felt like this was an awesome hour of television. And I would I would go back, take the memories out, and do it again in a heartbeat if I could. Okay, so we have an 8.5 and a 9. Poppy, what are you going to rate this episode? Well, I agree with someone. And that person is... Madison. I give it an 8.5, although uh, my 8.5 didn't squeak up uh, as if I was questioning it <laughs> as bad as it was. 8.5? So I thought that was kind of cute. She doesn't believe you. She wasn't sure. She was like, I think it's an 8.5. I'm not sure yet. But I will give it a solid 8.5. I thought it was a very strong episode, a very strong case of the week. I thought it, the case was really interesting. As I mentioned earlier, I loved how the case sort of intertwined with like everything from like the past to the present and in particular with like a lot of the stuff that was going on in the present day I mean they incorporated the hospital and the pregnant women at the hospital and it was just it's so interesting to me and uh, I just thought it was a beautifully done episode with a really strong case and uh, I loved uh, the um, I don't know what we want to call them the fantasy sequences uh, the dark fantasy that it turned into be the dream sequences yeah. there you go I enjoyed those a lot, and there were a lot of really strong performances throughout the episode. So, a strong, solid, or as Greg would say, a hard 8.5. <laughs> so, we have two 8.5s and a 9. I'm going to go with Greg. I think this was a 9. <gasps> very, yeah, I was very, you know how much I love The X-Files. It's probably my favorite show, you know, right now. So, um not saying a lot because there's like 10 seasons now but yeah i loved how they related back to like 
we saw Kyle early in the episode. We didn't know who he was. Um, I didn't think at this point to mention him at, at in the earlier episode. Earlier in the episode was like a good point because they kind of almost killed him. And then it was just like we didn't see him again until the end. But they tied that back to the cause of his death and, you know, who he actually was. I liked how they tied it in with everything and back to the first episode of this season and a little bit to the original series and mentioning Emily because I love Emily. That episode was so sad for me and, and Dana was like so struggling with that like i could have saved her but you know it would have been such torture for her and like you know going back to that with william and things like that so yeah and the cinematography was beautiful like everyone's saying it's just beautifully shot they can do so much more with technology 20 years later and they're taking great advantage of that and i love it so overall eight not i'll take a nine ufos on these on this episode so we have two nines and two 8.5s and with that Join us next time for a brand new installment of The Truth Is Out There. Visit poppychularadio.com slash archives to download and many more. Registered users will gain access to our archives of previously aired broadcasts. You can also download tonight's broadcast through iTunes. Just search for The Truth Is Out There and subscribe. Please like Poppy Chula Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash poppychularadio. Follow the show on Tumblr thexfiles-pcr.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash radio. Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Co-hosts, wish the listeners a good night. Good night. Good night, listeners. The truth is out there somewhere. Just don't believe Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of The Truth is Out There. Good night. Good night. Good night.